You know, we've been hearing about this law a little bit recently uh, that basically says this. There's a law out there that says that if somebody sells their intellectual property, that at some point after 50, 60, 70, 80 years, I can't remember specifically, you or your estate can file to get that property back. Now, we saw that come into play uh, before in the comic book genre. We've also talked about it recently. I don't know if you guys remember. This was up uh, recently. We were talking about this with uh, uh, Predator, the estate of the the guys who originally that. created Predator were suing Marvel and or were suing Disney to get that back. Well, this is the same kind of case, except now Marvel is preemptively trying to sue the estates of Ditko, of Stan Lee, and of others so they can keep the Spider-Man, Iron Man, and other Avengers IP because they could theoretically be in danger as early as 2023 of losing some of these characters, of losing some of these characters. Now, this is what I'm going to read this from from, uh, Screen Ranch just to give you guys an idea of what's going on here. Marvel is suing the heirs of some of the company's most notable creators in an attempt to retain the rights to characters like Spider-Man, Iron Man, and the Avengers. Over the past two decades, the comic company's biggest heroes have grown from comic book characters to pop cultural superstars, with the MCU becoming the dominant force in global film. However, despite Marvel's recent success, its characters are still subject to copyright law. Under copyright law, creators or their heirs or estates can file to reclaim the rights to characters or franchises they made after a certain period of time. Generally, a comic writer cedes the rights to their characters to the company they write for, but after a number of years, the law allows for them or their heirs to petition the publisher's rights to be terminated and the characters in question be returned to their original creators. A successful termination filing means the company losing the rights to the characters or story in question. Now, before we keep reading here, just something to keep in mind. So basically what what this is, is that the estates of like Stan Lee, Ditko, and others, now Ditko's estate and heirs have already filed the petition to in 2023 get Spider-Man back from uh, from Disney and from Marvel. So they've already filed that petition. So right now, what this story is basically about is that Marvel is preemptively trying to get that so that doesn't happen. Let's keep reading the story here because this is interesting. The waiting period is almost up for a number of major Marvel characters, and the company is taking legal action to try to retain the rights to Iron Man, Spider-Man, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Doctor Strange, and more. Per The Hollywood Reporter, Marvel has filed five different lawsuits against the heirs and estates of past creators, including Stan Lee, Gene Colan, uh, Steve Gitt, and Steve Ditko. The lawsuits claim that all the characters in question were created as work for hire, making their rights ineligible to return to the creators. If Marvel fails in its efforts, it could start losing some of the biggest characters in less than two years. This is... Guys, this is significant. This is significant. But let me tell you what I think is going to happen. Nothing is going to happen. There's no way these rights are going or leaving Marvel. There's there's absolutely no way. And I will tell you this. The more I thought about it after we started talking about it as it pertained to uh, the Predator situation, mm-hmm. the more I realized I hate this law. 
I, I, I honestly don't like a law that says, you know, if you sell something to me in good faith, that 15 years from now, you just get to come back and say, I'm taking it back now. I There's something so fundamentally wrong with that. There's something so fundamental, unless, of course, like, let's say, uh, Kimberly, you sold me, I don't know, my green cup, right? You sold me my green cup. You sold it to me for 15 bucks. I gave you 15 bucks. You gave me the cup. This cup is now mine. I don't like the idea that somewhere in some law book, there's a thing that says, you know what? After 10 years, Kimberly, you can just go back and take back that cup. I love what? that cup. Hell no. This is my cup. I paid for it. It's mine. It's mine. Now, unless it's more nuanced than that. Rob, I think you'll agree. It is more nuanced than that when it comes to intellectual IP. Mm. It absolutely is. But listen, there was a similar situation like this, Rob, between DC and I believe it was the Batman. No, it was the Superman estate, the the, the estate of the guys who created Superman. They remember just a couple of years ago, there was the same kind of thing. And of course, DC won. I have no doubt Marvel's going to win this. I think they will probably prove that this is a work for hire and the right should stay where they are. But I mean, it's still possible. It's theoretically possible that starting in 2023, characters like Spider-Man and Iron Man and Doctor Strange don't belong to Marvel anymore. Unlikely, unlikely, but possible. Rob, you see this situation unfolding. What's your thoughts on this? Well, if there's any company that can subvert copyright law, as evidenced by how they've been doing it for decades, it's Disney, uh, especially with things like Mickey Mouse. I mean, all the way back to the 20s with Steamboat Willie and all of that. Um, I, I, I think Disney's going to figure out how to circumvent this. There might be payouts involved. I mean, who knows? But it's, you know, it, it's definitely a threat. Um, but Disney, Disney will figure it out. Uh, Kimberly, you hear this situation. What are your thoughts about this? Uh, well, first I have questions. Okay. I have questions. So if, if the estate retains the rights, does it now, instead of Disney just having, or Marvel, uh, the MCU having the rights to do whatever they want with the story, does it now just become a licensing issue of look, they're back in my hands. I've taken my green cup back. John, you can <laughs> drink from it, but you must pay me a licensing fee. Is I got to pay you situation? 50 cents every time I want to use it. Okay. It could be. I mean, theoretically speaking, yes. And Rob, I think you'll agree. Theoretically speaking, yes. Theoretically. And this is such a big hypothetical. If, like, Ditko's estate was able to get Spider-Man back, they could then turn back to Marvel and say, okay, cool. Spider-Man's ours now. And you can keep using them, uh -huh. but you got to cut us a $50 million check every time you do or, or something along those lines. Or they could turn to DC. Mm -hmm. Guys, I know I'm getting oh, radically hypothetical so here, but, but, uh, but uh, follow me here. There, theoretically speaking, if Ditko's estate gets Spider-Man back, there is nothing stopping them from turning to Warner Brothers or going over to their buddies at Discovery who Holy now are going to own Warner Brothers and say... How would you like to have a Batman Spider-Man movie? Holy <laughs> Again, as unlike as unlikely as it is, it, it if they get Spider-Man back, it's theirs to do with as they please. It can be we'll we'll sell them off to the highest bidder. Hell, wow. you can have a Fast and the Furious Spider-Man. They if will Universal, do it in a heartbeat. They, yeah. I mean, if Universal wants to get involved, it could be that. If Paramount wants to get involved, it could be Mission Impossible versus Spider-Man. 
if if I mean I, I'm just saying theoretically speaking, if Netflix wanted to get involved, they could do another season of Stranger Things and Spider Man comes in and saves them. I mean theoretically, so it's speaking, just a, it's just a matter of of the money and yeah. and how it's going to flow differently because I think that I mean. Honestly, if they got it back, I feel like obviously you would just say huge payday. Come unto me. Why does this remind me of that scene? And there will be blood when Daniel Day Lewis says, I, I drink, drink your milkshake. milkshake. <laughs> and I'm like, somebody's drinking your milkshake right now. Y'all need to get your straw back. And, and by the <laughs> way, guys, uh, Ivan in the live chat is asking a very good question, which is, OK, let's say again. And all this is unlikely. Let's, let's emphasize again, all this is very unlikely, but if they get Spider-Man back away from Marvel, how does that affect Sony? Good question. My, my best understanding of how it would affect Sony is probably not at all, because if Ditko gets Spider-Man back, they will still be under all the ob legal obligations that any existing licenses to Spider-Man, like Marvel may not be the owner anymore. Now you're the owner. But now you're responsible for the legal licenses it has right now. And Sony currently has oh, a I license. See. Okay. So they would have to honor that license up until whatever point they're allowed to get out of it and make the choice to get out of it, which sounds like that's coming up pretty soon anyway. And then they could do whatever they wanted with it. They could sell it completely to Sony. They could have, you know, Blue Beetle and Spider-Man mash up. I think Dominic Toretto needs a Spider-Man family. Toretto we need another family member. Rob, let me ask you this. Yeah. Let's say theoretically the estate does get Spider-Man back. I, I, I think the most likely scenario would be they would probably, like Kimberly, you were saying, they'd probably work out a, a licensing agreement with Marvel, but they could theoretically go anywhere. What could you see as maybe some of the possibilities of what they would do with Spider-Man after that? <laughs> I can see them going back to Sony. <laughs> just, yeah, just right straight up going back to Sony. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I look, I, I think that ultimately in doing something like this, you would want to do what's best for your character. Yes. And I don't necessarily think that going to D.C. or uh, rocking the boat or 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 doing something what you're doing is you're throwing chum in the water and <laughs> and you've got to take when the sharks come you're going to have to deal with the results of that. And ultimately, I think that obviously, clearly, the best course of action would be to allow Spider-Man to remain at Marvel. And I think, look, you know what? There might be a very good case that the Ditko estate could get the rights back to Spider-Man, and then they would do what many people do and, and make that licensing agreement. I think that would probably be the best, the best of both worlds for everyone involved. But I'm, I'm all for the idea that creators or their families could have the rights revert back to their own creations. The real question is, you know, how is that going to work in a work for hire agreement for Marvel, th that kind of thing. Like if you've created a character while you were working for a company, is that your character or is it the company's character? And that's always uh, a very interesting sort of legal area so i'd be curious to see where this goes at any rate just because it's an interesting proposition from a content creator standpoint yeah my attitude has always been whoever paid for that thing is the one that should own it i mean yep. that, that's just I always kind of but but come on come on come on how much money if they announced batman v spider-man or Dude. batman and spider-man uh detectives of 
you know, the we would be in an actual multiverse. I, we would we would be in a living multi. How much money would that make? Like, are you telling me people would not flock to the theaters to see Batman, Spider-Man, Detectives of the Neighborhood? Come on. I am telling you that thing would make back. Anyway, the, again, like I said, guys, this is all most likely going to amount to nothing. Marvel is most likely going to win this um, and, and, and all things will stay. But it is fun to kind of imagine. Question is, guys, what do you think about it? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campus Show? It's really simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel needs to be a main topic on the show, just email us anytime at, or just go anytime, I should say, to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, let's get into main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Manny Tagua, who writes, Hey, John and Rob, with everyone fixated on if Toby and Andrew are going to be in no way home, the other person people are wondering about is Charlie Cox. Some reports have claimed that he'll be in the movie as Daredevil, but there really hasn't been anything with much substance. Cox just denied that he was going to be in the movie again. Do you believe him, or is he just trying to misdirect the audience? Thanks. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, look, everybody is expecting everyone to be in this movie. I mean, there are going to be people people complaining about this if Logan doesn't show up. (laughs) <laughs> if Shaquille O'Neal's steel doesn't show up. I mean, they want everybody showing up in this movie, of course. And one of the big, you know, buzzes going around other than Andrew and Toby has been, could we see Charlie Cox, Matt Murdock, Daredevil from the Netflix series? Could we see him pop up? I mean, hell, if we're seeing Electro showing up and we're seeing Doc Ock show up from the other movie universes, Couldn't it be that? Now, it should be pointed out that Charlie Cox has always denied that he was going to be a part of this, and he's denied it again. This is in a recent interview where Charlie Cox said the following, I don't want to ruin anything for fans either way, but my answer is no comment. I don't know what's going to happen. I genuinely don't know is one of the things that he said. Now, of course, this is not the first time that Cox has denied uh, his involvement in it. Some people can point to it and say, oh, he's kind of choosing his words really carefully there. I'll say this. While I personally, I don't believe there's any really good evidence that Andrew or Toby are going to be in Spider-Man No Way Home. I do believe they're going to be in it. I I believe we're going to see Andrew and and Toby in that movie, even though there's I have no proof, but I believe they will be. I don't believe that Charlie Cox is going to be in this movie. And let me give two caveats to that. Caveat number one is if he is, I don't think he's going to be Matt Murdock. I think he will be like a totally new character, much like the way they brought Evan Peters into WandaVision and he was not Quicksilver. So, so like that. So you could easily bring him in to play just another character in the, in, uh, in the MCU because Daredevil has never been in the MCU yet. Um, but with how wonky this whole thing is, of course there's a possibility 
It's absolutely possible. Look, Kevin Feige does not like other people's sloppy seconds. It's just that simple. He wants to create his own Daredevil. He wants his Daredevil. There's a reason he left out all the Netflix characters when it came to Avengers Endgame, that everybody else came through the portal except the Netflix characters. But Kevin Feige is human. I mean, you change your mind. You change your mind. Rob, you change your mind. I change my mind sometimes. Nothing says that it's impossible that this could be the case. So it could be. But I myself, guys, I am taking Charlie Cox's denial on this. I don't think he's going to be in it. I absolutely acknowledge it's possible, but I don't think he's going to be in there. Anyway, Kimberly, you're hearing Cox. This is about the third or fourth time that he's kind of denied that he's going to be in this thing. There really has been no evidence that he will be. Mm -hmm. But of course, it's got everybody excited at the possibility. What do you think? Do you think Charlie Cox is going to be in Spider-Man No Way Home? And if so, in what capacity? I have a feeling that he could be because he didn't say absolutely not. He said, I don't know, which is kind of funny because either you filmed something or you didn't. You you say no when it's like, no, I was never on set. I was never there. I never got a call. My agent never got a call. You don't say, I don't know. Either you filmed it or you didn't. And so that leaves, I feel like his comment leaves a lot of room because you would say, I didn't film anything. I wasn't there. You don't say, I don't know. I don't know says, could you might see me, you might not. So I, I feel like his comment is not that definitive. I would love to see him in this. And I feel like, um, I think when they when they canceled, you know, the Netflix um, shows, they said they had two years, you know, to where they could bring them back, you know, on Disney+. Plus. I feel like the fans really, really love Charlie Cox um, as Matt Murdock. And I feel like Kevin Feige, mm, yeah, he might change his mind because we really loved those characters that were on all the Marvel Netflix shows. And I'd love to see him show up in a hallway. Good little hallway <laughs> fight. Little hallway scene. And then uh, I think it would be a, nice to have him just, just in there a little bit just to say, hey, I know you loved him. I hear you guys. Let's bring him back. Let's go Disney Plus and let's see, let's see what we have. But I, I think we'll see it. And his comment's not, it's not definitive. Anyway, Rob, you know, we, we've, talked about this a couple times with charlie cox is out there again saying look i i don't want to i don't want to come out and definitively say no because i don't want to ruin the, the suspense or anything for anybody but listen i'm telling you i i don't know what's going on with this movie he has said he's denied it before as well but i mean you got electro you got you got doc ock who knows who else or what else i don't know rob what are you thinking do you think charlie cox is going to be in this movie <laughs> Here's, here's my philosophy of life, John, when it comes to things like this. I was talking with a friend of mine last night at dinner, and it's always, wouldn't it be cool if? And that's kind of how I li live my life in terms of what I, what I want to see. Wouldn't it be cool if Charlie Cox was Daredevil? And I think the person that probably subscribes to this philosophy more than anyone is Kevin Feige. And... They're already going down a route. They've already announced Alfred. The fact that Alfred Molina as Doc Ock, that we've already got J.K. Simmons in the Spider-Verse as J. Jonah Jameson, and we're getting Jamie Foxx. That leads me to believe that somebody way higher than me or you or Kimberly has been saying, wouldn't it be cool if? And once they've started to say that, and we've already had, characters from the 
Sony Spider-Verse, the Raimi-Verse coming into the world, I think all bets are off. And I think that this movie is probably going to be far more bonkers than even we know. So I would say that I'll bet you not only is Charlie Cox in this movie, but wouldn't it be cool if we see him as Daredevil too? I, but here's the thing. Let, let because me, he doesn't have to be our universe's Daredevil. Yeah, no, that's true. But If you already have a multi-dimensional time-space rip, if you're going to bring Charlie Cox into this movie, he's going to be Daredevil. He's going to, whether it's a hallway, Kimberly, or somewhere else, you're going to see him in a Daredevil uniform kicking ass. Otherwise, why do it? Why do it? Well, I mean, they did it with Evan Peters. I mean, it just, I mean, it's just... Yeah, I'll, but, I'll, but, you, but here's the thing to, to use your own words here. And by the way, I do want to give a quick shout out to uh, uh, Ian Simon, who sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Ian. Appreciate that. As does Sandra Alejandro also sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you guys very much. But here's one thing that 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 feels weird to me. Why would you so publicly come out so early and ignore and let the public know and acknowledge that? Molina's Doc Ock is coming and that Jamie Foxx's Electro is coming. And yet it seems to me like if they were going to be having Charlie Cox coming in there, why wouldn't they just publicly say that? They've already said that we've got Doc Ock, we've got Electro. What's their motivation in revealing those ones, but not revealing the other ones? I, I mean, so I, I don't know. I think it would be very surprised, but I'll, listen, this all comes to a theory I'm really starting to buy into, which is this. I am starting to believe, by the way, nobody at any studio has told me this. Okay, this is just me, John Campy as a fan, speculating. But other people are speculating this too. I think No Way Home, I am starting to really believe that No Way Home is a giant buildup to the exodus and the exit of Spider-Man out of the MCU. Yeah. I I am starting to think we're going to see Venom show up in the movie. I'm starting to think we're going to see Morbius show up in the movie. I mean, I don't know about Morbius. And I think that one of the things that resolves this whole multiverse of madness thing is Spider-Man has no way home. And the only way to fix all the problems that are happening is that he has to be jettisoned out of the universe. And this is going to be the avenue that Sony and Marvel are using for the exit of Spider-Man out of the MCU and over to Sony full time. I don't know, Rob, you've heard me kind of mention that before. What do you think? What do you think about that? I I think it's probably a, a good theory and whatever that I, I, it, look whatever this is I believe it's a two parter and I uh, even more than that it, in that whatever's going on in this movie is not going to be resolved I think what ends in Spider Man No Way Home is going to be a gigantic cliffhanger and that cliffhanger like you said Spider Man goes off and at the same time. Doctor Strange, Wanda, Loki, whatever, we're now going to be in the midst of the multiverse of madness. And that's that's what's going to happen. And maybe Spider-Man even appears um, in that movie too. I don't know. But I think you might be right. I think they're setting this up because, again, wouldn't it be cool if? I mean, this <laughs> sounds like a cool movie to me. I, I'm I'm all in if that's what they're going to do. And And I just think, the reason that they're not telling us this is because why why not hold back some things so the next trailer we get, we've got a teaser trailer, whatever trailer they're going to drop, I would assume, in November with Eternals, because the movie comes out December 17th, is going to be suitably bananas. 
and they're going to they're going to wind up ending the year of 2021 with people frothing at the mouth like they're I don't know suffering from rabies they're so excited to see this movie and I will be one of those people <laughs> so I bring it on I think you might be right I think that we're in store for something that is just cuz why not why why just have if you're going to if you're going to have electro and doc ock and you have the opportunity to turn turn this into some show stopping extravaganza why not do that because kevin feige's kind of guy that would say wouldn't it be cool if yes it would be kevin bring all it right. on and, and let me just clarify one more time all right we don't know that the it, i mean everything looks like the the sony and marvel deal they're getting ready to wrap it up but we don't know that it is it is still very pop just so everybody knows it is still a very very valid possibility that sony and marvel extend their deal and keep spider-man in the mcu that is all on the table that is all completely on the table I'm just telling you, I'm starting, I'm starting to suspect again, pure speculation. Nobody's told me this is just me making it up out of my own imagination, but I am starting to suspect that we're going to see this no way home thing as the, the gateway that leads to the end of Spider-Man in the MCU. And he goes over into the Sony verse full time. I don't know. We'll have to see, but a lot of possibilities still on the table. Question is guys. What do you think about this? Charlie Cox is again denying that he's going to be in this. And just so you guys know, for those of you watching live, I put up a, uh, I just put up a poll in the live chat. There's already like 600 votes on it, but I just put up a poll in the live chat asking, do you think Charlie Cox will be in No Way Home? I'm, I'm shocked. I thought like 90% of you would say yes, but 55% of you are saying yes. 45% of you are saying no. So it's close. I thought it'd be like 90% of you would say yes. What do you guys think about that? I'm going to leave that poll up for a little bit. Let me know what your guys' thoughts are. Jump on down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on over to main topic number two. Rob, what is our second main topic today? Well, our second main topic comes to us from The Grim Reader. Hey, John. First, I wanted to say awesome job on the Johnny Depp video. John, I would like to also second my uh, uh, appreciation for your video, which I well, watched thank yesterday. You, man. you handled a diffi difficult topic perfectly. Okay. Did you see that Eternals has gotten its official rating and it's going to be PG-13? I know. I know. Water wet. <laughs> but it also says it contains scenes of sexuality, which really isn't normal for the MCU. With under six weeks to go until it opens, what are your expectations for Eternals right now? Well, John, Kimberly, I have to say, I, I've i been a huge proponent of this movie for a long time since its inception, being a fan of the Kirby originals and also thing, the work that Neil Gaiman has done with the characters. So I'm I'm completely stoked about this movie and that chloe zhao directed it i mean as john has pointed out she's the defending world champion of Raining directors <laughs> and i mean it's it's to me it's we're, we're truly getting an auteurist vision for a, a movie she had pitched her idea to kevin feige apparently and that he went with her take so i'm really really excited and i think you know we've heard mention that we're going to have the first same-sex relationship uh, depicted in this, which, you know, the Eternals have been created by the Celestials. They're not exactly human beings. So I could see that as being something going on and that they have to acknowledge it. The The Marvel Cinematic Universe has been rather chaste after 25 movies. Uh, not a lot of romance happening in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I could see that being something that they're finally going to introduce. And um, 
I, I, I'm there for it. Uh, Coming soon says, according to film ratings, Marvel Studios' highly anticipated Marvel Cinematic Universe film Eternals has officially been given a PG-13 rating from the MPA for fantasy violence and action, some language, and brief sexuality, which teases the star-studded film's epic scale. So, I mean, to me, after 25 movies, man, you know, people kiss. And I'd like to see a little bit more... um, more romance however it goes in the marvel cinematic universe so i'm i'm good what do you what what do the both of you think kimberly you're i mean we've been talking about eternals a lot i know this is a film you're excited about no surprise about the rating pg-13 unless i don't think there's any surprise there brief sexuality i mean we've seen kisses in movies before they don't they don't warn brief sexuality so what do you think ultimately that means and where's your expectation level right now for the eternals um, I think maybe, look, I, I come, I come with the perspective. I'm an auntie. I don't have kids of my own, but I come from the perspective of what it's like to take your kids to the movies and to have a family day at the movies. And I know even though it's PG 13, if, if you're with a parent, you know, you can bring kids that are younger. Um, I, I actually had this happen the other night. We were watching a show with the boys and, um, it was like fantasy and it was cool. And then all of a sudden, boobies like what <laughs> and then all of a sudden that's a like, t-shirt all of a sudden all of a sudden boobies, boobies. i love that <laughs> and now i know i don't freak out guys i i'm not reading too much into it i know there's not going to be nudity i get it but i feel like um when you have a marvel film except for my buddy on my t-shirt here except for deadpool obviously when you have a marvel film you're generally thinking family film And there's kind of nothing more frustrating than having your kidlets with you and you're excited for a film and all of a sudden something pops up and you're like, whoa, why? I was not expecting that. I don't think they're going to push it too far, but it does beg the question, why, why are you mentioning that? You know, I mean, we had a little romance with the Hulk and Natasha. We had a little bit of romance. You know, we had a beautiful romance with Cap. Um... I'm wondering what they mean by this. Uh, remember, are, also keep in mind, this isn't Disney saying this. This is the ratings. Yeah, the thing. rating. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. I mean, you have scenes where someone just wakes up in a bed and you see their back and you know, oh, somebody got it on last night. Okay. You know, they wake up with each other. I get it. Or or there's a passionate kiss. I just am I'm hoping, you know, when I think of Marvel, I think of how I've been taking the boys. One of them was in the carrier. The other one was swinging his legs on the chair. He was so small. And we through all the 25 movies, it's a family thing for us. So I just hope that they don't get too adult, you know. Um, but I think it's going to be a beautiful love story. I think that's something I, I believe, John, that was something that Kevin Feige said uh, early on is that this is going to be the first real love story that you're going to see yeah, in Marvel, yeah. if I remember correctly. Um, so I'm all for that. Um, you know, it's PG-13. So I, I hopefully no these i don't know where but my expectations are high i'm here for it i miss romance in in film and so i'm looking for a love story so um i guess we'll just have to see you know see i some people are i I see a lot of people in the live chat saying stuff like 
oh, it's just going to be a kiss. No, you don't. The but, ratings board doesn't give a warning for brief But there's been kisses in other kiss. Marvel yeah. films, and we didn't. No, um, so that's not going to be it. Have that's to not going to be it. It's going to be something more than that. So I feel like it's going to be a little. It's going to be more than that. I, I, I don't believe there's not going to be any nudity. And PG 13, I mean, there's no, I know PG 13 is no nudity, but if I'm cor- correct. Oh, no, like, no, you can have nudity in PG 13. I was, I was just going to ask how far they push it because I've, like I said, like with movies and kids, I've had experiences where I take the kids, you know, PG 13, maybe there were they were 11 at the time and i'm like oh this movie seems okay and i've been sitting there going oh whoa oh ah wow that is a lot um so i just hope i don't have that experience here. i mean uh, I the boy, th- I don't mind you the be. boys are older now um you know they are some of but them look, are 13 look, look, the but the thing here is they're not even saying hard sexuality they're saying there's brief sexuality that doesn't but give any does warnings mean? about. I hope nobody. It doesn't matter. It doesn't getting up they, from their knees. Saying, like no, but what there's, does that there's mean? no warnings of nudity. So there's yeah. no, we know it doesn't mean it doesn't mean any nudity, or else nudity would have been listed in there. Yeah. Okay. So I I just don't I don't really know. But whatever it's going to be, it's going to be mild. It's going to be mild. Whatever it is. Yeah. That, I don't see sure. Chloe Zhao being like, this is my chance to get in some hardcore action. Yeah, no. She is a beautiful storyteller. What I saw from Nomadland was such a beautiful portrayal of humanity. So, Yeah, so yeah. we'll see where they go. I think the bigger question, though, here is ultimately, yeah, again, I don't think that means much. In PG-13, you're right, water wet. But, Rob, going back to what we were hearing two years ago, like a year or two ago, we were hearing, and even again up to about six months ago, there are some online pundits that started reporting that their contacts at Marvel were telling them that they have never been as excited about a movie they're making as they are about Eternals. That's right. And then, Rob, you and I know somebody, and they told me that Marvel believes now just because a couple of people Marvel believe it doesn't mean you and I are going to agree but that Marvel believes this is the best movie they've ever made the top people at Marvel believe that Eternals is the best movie they've ever made we heard words from Kevin Feige when he was talking about Oscar potential for Marvel movies, the film he very deliberately used as their example was not Spider-Man No Way Home, was not Shang-Chi, was not Black Widow. It was Eternals. And he started talking about he believes Eternals is going to get a Best Picture nomination at the Academy Awards. They are really all in about this. And I think we are all... I, I'm, I just have a feeling we're going to be shocked I got a feeling we're going to be shocked about this. I think this... Now, do I think this is going to be better than Civil War? That's a tall order. Do I think this is going to be better than Winter Soldier? That is a tall order. Do I think this is going to be better than Shang-Chi? Maybe. I think Kevin Feige seems to think it is. Do I think this is going to be better than the original Avengers? I I doubt it. That's a tall order. But I don't know. Rob, how how good do you think this movie can actually be? Where's your expectations right now for it? Well, I think... What's going to be interesting about this movie, and if it's if it's about what I suspect it's actually about, it'll be a very different kind of a Marvel movie, which is what I love. I love when they change up their genres and change up their approaches. I don't think this is going to be your typical superhero origin fair. I think this movie is going to deal with existential questions 
in the way that other superhero movies don't. And it's going to deal with matters of personal responsibility, societal responsibility. I think it's going to be a different, a way different kind of movie than we're used to. And, you know, I've always thought in my own mind that best picture winners, John, should be sort of you deal with universal concepts, basic truths of humanity. Um, sometimes I'm right about that. Sometimes I'm wrong. But I think Eternals is not going to be so much as a superhero action adventure movie as more of a thoughtful, contemplative. I don't know why, I'm, why I think this, but I think this is going to be the Shawshank Redemption of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Not that it's a movie about prison, but the way that it's about friendship it's not. and hope. <laughs> <laughs> not that I know of, although I will say this. Something is imprisoned in this movie, and I think that's probably what a lot of it's about. But what I mean is those kinds of weighty human relationships about hope and responsibility and persevering and what does it mean uh, to have responsibility to a, a whole society of people. I think we're going to get a movie that we were not expecting, and that is going to be an outlier amongst the 20, well, it'll be 26 films in the MCU. All right. Well, the question is for you guys. What do you think about this? Uh, on the first level, you know, that gets the PG-13 rating, mentioning brief sexuality. I don't really think that really means much at all, but maybe it does. What do you guys think about that? And then overall, what are your expectations for this movie right now? I mean, the trailers haven't been blowing people out of the water, but Marvel clearly has a lot of high hopes for this movie. They, a lot of people in Marvel think this is the best film they've ever made. Question is for you guys. Where are you on that right now? Whatever you guys think, jump into the comments section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number three. And our third main topic today gets sent to us by James Argenta, who writes, On Thursday, during the Nintendo Direct presentation, Illumination and Nintendo announced that the new animated Super Mario Brothers movie will be released on December 21st, 2022. And the cast of the film, the cast includes Chris Pratt as Mario, Anna Taylor-Joy as Peach, Charlie Day as Luigi, Jack Black as Bowser, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad, and Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. What are your thoughts on the cast, and do you think this film can be what Illumination will be Illumination's next franchise? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, James. And yeah, now listen, in a world that is crazy for making video game movies a lot of video game movies over the years you haven't seen nintendo get in that like nintendo made that one bob hoskins super mario brothers movie and they've always regretted it and most of the world has regretted it and they licked their wounds and they were like never again we're never going to turn our characters into these movies again and a lot of years have passed when a lot of people you know where the hell is a zelda movie that could be like a Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings kind of epic if you want to do Link and things like that, but they haven't done it. Then word came a little while ago, and I remember we talked about that they were going to do a Super Mario Brothers animated movie. Things have been kind of quiet since then, but this thing's coming out just a little over a year from now. And yes, they've announced their cast, and the cast is is pretty in, a pretty impressive list of names. Let's go over and look at this here for a second, shall we? We're talking about the likes of Chris Platt, Pratt, of course, doing the voice of, of Mario. Anya Taylor-Joy, who is super, super hot in the industry right now. She's playing Peach. You got Charlie Day as Luigi. You got Jack Black 
as Bowser, which is, that's going to be interesting. I, I kind of like the idea of Jack Black uh, doing Bowser. We've got Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. we got Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, of course. We've got uh, Fred Armisen, who I love Fred Armisen. I absolutely love him. As Cranky Kong, and then Kevin Michael Richardson as Kamek, and the, the, the list goes on from there. It's a big list. It's an interesting list. Now, overall, I generally don't care about celebrities doing voices in animated movies. My general, with exceptions, my general feeling is instead of going out and getting these big famous names, get the trained full-time voice actors who are better at this than these other big famous names and get them to do it. But I understand. I mean, you're going to get more eyeballs on the project if you mention Seth Rogen and Chris Pratt and Anya Taylor-Joy and Keegan-Michael Key and Fred Armiston. I get it. And also, let me say this. Chris Pratt's voice in the Lego movie brought such a delightful innocence and playfulness to it that it really did add a lot to the movie, I thought. I mean, I love Elizabeth Banks, but you could have had anybody do the voice of her character, honestly, even though I love her dearly. But but I got to say, Chris Pratt brought a lot to it. So him being Mario and Charlie Day playing Luigi. I don't know why you couldn't get actual Italian people to do it, but okay, whatever. That's fine. Uh, I think this is rather interesting. And the idea of Nintendo getting into it. And I'll tell you what, guys, the one thing that makes me sort of excited about this, this is the one thing that makes me excited about this, is if this works... And that's a big if. But if it works, it could start bringing Nintendo out of their shell, no pun intended, (laughs) out of their shell and maybe start exploring more with their IPs. Maybe we do get a Zelda thing at some point. Maybe we do see uh, some other things. I I don't know. For right now, without knowing much about it and without having seen a single frame, this seems really interesting to me. Kim, you hear about all this. Does it seem like a dumb idea, a good idea? What about it sounds good? I don't know. What are you thinking about this? It seems fun. I actually, I, I, I so remember the one with John Lake Wazamo and Bob Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. I think Dennis Hopper had that weird hair um, and those guys with the shrunken heads. That To me, that's a classic. Like That's so nostalgic to my history. Um, I actually wanted a live action, but I'm fine with the voice actors. I do agree with you. I do like... I feel like some movies um, that are animation should have trained voice actors and then maybe the main character or main two characters is like a big star. Um, The funny thing is I saw that Sebastian Maniscalco is doing the voice of Spike. I listened to the cast. Okay. Pete Corielli, Sebastian Maniscalco. These are Italian stand-up comedians. They're both incredibly funny. I kind of feel like Sebastian Maniscalco could have done I mean, I haven't even heard the voice, so I can't judge. But I, if you listen or you're a fan of Sebastian Maniscalco, you're like, why isn't he Mario? But okay. Um, I'm excited about it. Chris Pratt, I agree with you. Anytime he does voice work, he just adds like such magic to it. I'm excited for it. I love Super Mario. Mario's been around, what, like almost 40 years almost. Yeah. So he's, he's a huge part of all of our history. So I'm excited. Rob? Uh, listen, this is news that I think a lot of people for a long time was wondering if it was ever going to come. Nintendo getting back in the movies, doing it with Illumination Studios. They've had a lot of success. What do you think about a Super Mario Brothers animated movie coming? And it's just a little over a year away. It's coming in December of 2022. So it's really not that far away. You know they're already well into making this thing. What do you think about the lineup of the voice cast? 
Dude, you had me at Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. No, I, I, you know, I actually did some work on the Super Mario Brothers movie that was released when it was really? being directed Shut by. Up. Yeah, yep. I worked at a, it, they switched the director, the directors, and the whole uh, direction of the film. But the original uh, film was going to be directed by the director of Mom and Dad Save the World. I would, love that movie so much. He he was the director <laughs> of Super Mario Brothers. I work for a company called Altarian Studios, which is a makeup effects house. It was a very, very different movie then. And they decided it was Roland Joffe who directed The Killing Fields, his company, Light Motive, that was producing the film. And they decided to go in an entirely different direction because Mom and Dad Saved the World ended up not doing as well as they'd hoped. So they blinked and they decided to change their whole approach, which I thought was a huge mistake. So then the company I was working for after doing millions of dollars worth of makeup effects work and creating all kinds of things was dismissed. So I've, I've always thought it was, it's a fascinating story. You could write a whole book about it, but I look, I look forward to this, to be honest. (laughs) I mean, the the voice cast sounds pretty great. (laughs) I got to tell you what, I love Seth Rogen as the voice of Pumbaa in uh, in the Lion King live action. I thought he was a great choice for that. I Again, it's I generally don't get ter- terribly excited about famous Hollywood celebrities doing voices, right? It's not like a live action film where they're going to be on set for three yeah. months. This is literally Chris Pratt is going to go uh, drive into Hollywood to a sound studio two or three days record all this stuff in a sound booth and then leave. And Many of these people will only see each other on the red carpet when they're all yeah, together. Yeah. They won't even be in the booth together. Yeah. I mean, th- maybe there might be a, a couple of times they have to be in there together. Cause we did see that with Lion King where they did the, where John Favreau thought it was important to get them actually together in a room to be, to play off each other. So maybe there'll be a little bit of that, but for the most part, I think you're right. I think a lot of these will just be Charlie day. will go and record his stuff at a sound booth in Florida and Chris Pratt will do his stuff somewhere else. But so I generally don't get excited about it, but I got to say, I'm looking forward to this, not just because I like the idea that this could lead to something bigger for Nintendo, but just the sounds of the project in and of itself. It sounds like it could be delightful. Hopefully it will be Question is for you guys. What do you think about the sounds of the Super Mario Brothers movie, we got a cast now with the likes of Jack Black and Seth Rogen, Keegan Michael Key, you know Chris Pratt, Charlie Day. It's an interesting lineup. How do you guys feel about it? Jump on down into the comments section below and leave your thoughts there. And with that, guys, that wraps up all of our main topics. We're going to jump here into your live comments and questions in just a second. But these guys have things they've got to go and do. So we're going to say goodbye right now to Robert Meyer Burnett and Kimberly Kern. Rob, we'll start with you. Thank you so much uh, for being here. And, of course, great stuff with Tango Shalom. In the meantime, until we see you again on Monday, where can people follow you and all your goodness online? Well, people can follow me on Twitter at BurnettRM, on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett, or you can find me on the Burnett Work. And John, if you live in Columbus, Ohio, you can see Tango Shalom today. <laughs> Tango Shalom, and you've actually got meetings regarding Tango Shalom right now, so I'll, I'll let you go and do that. And of course, as always, it's great to have Kimberly Ann Curran here. Kimberly, thank you for being here. And in the meantime, where can people keep up to date with you and follow you online? Yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram. It's was good Kimberly. It's W-U-Z-K-M-B-E-R-L-Y. It's good to have you guys here. Thanks a lot, both of you. Have a good one. And we'll talk to both of you guys again later. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is, of course, the wonderful Kimberly Ann Curran and Robert Meyer Burnett, and we'll see them both back here again soon. But for now, we've got your live comments and questions to get to. So without any further ado, let's roll into the weekend by getting to those. And we're going to get things started off here with Anton Riley. And Anton Riley writes, I have a question about the possible IATSE strike. If they did strike, would that affect American productions who are filming uh, different locations around the country. Um, I believe yes. Yes. Because here's the thing, even when a movie, and I believe we talked about this yesterday as well, even when a movie has um, things that they they are doing, right? Even when a movie has uh, a production that they're shooting in another country, they often still have things going on back at home they still they still basically have things going on back at home that they need to do and get to and and if so they'll be basically working even on location they'll be working still back in america at the same time and if that part of it shuts down it all shuts down so yes any american produced television show or movie if the iatse does strike it's going to shut all of it down it's going to shut all of it down all right next up we've got min tran who writes John, is Johnny Depp currently uh, filling in essence, or filing, I should say, is Johnny Depp currently filing in essence a slap suit, uh, the same type but different circumstances to the lawsuit that John Oliver faced with Depp as the plaintiff? Okay, so slap, I'm trying to remember. uh, Slap stands for specific, maybe? Uh, Lawsuit um, against public public, uh, participation. Is that what it is? No, strategic. Strategic lawsuit uh, against public participation. I believe that's what it stands for. It's basically kind of a muzzle kind of a, a lawsuit. I would actually say no. Now, while I completely believe right now, I, I believe it is going to be not impossible, but very unlikely that Johnny Depp can win this lawsuit. I mean, the way he basically got his ass handed to him by three different judges in the UK, and now here trying to do a lawsuit here now where now the onus isn't on the defendants. The onus is actually on Johnny Depp. It's going to make it very, very difficult. But I believe this is a very legitimate uh, by the book kind of standard definite uh, defamation case. So I, that's how I kind of see it at any rate. All right. Next up, uh, president Scroob. I like that. I like that reference. Uh, when it comes to cancel culture, one of my main concerns is that social media can be so merciless that it makes people less inclined to own up to stupid comments or actions because forgiveness is seemingly rare. Yeah, that's true. I mean, look, it all again depends on what. Oh, look at the line. Look at the line the headphones made in my hair. Um, it basically comes down to again about what is what is cancel culture? What what does it do? What it does it not? But that is one of the things that is obviously one of the negative repercussions of it. All right, next up, uh, we've got uh, AKA Allen 89 who writes, one of two. Hey, John, now I'm almost certain somewhere, someone somewhere in Warner Brothers or HBO Max has the brain capacity of a flip-flop. Uh, they are doing spinoff shows for their films, one based on Jim Gordon called Gotham PD, 
uh, now another Supergirl show. It has been announced that HBO Max has greenlit a new Supergirl HBO Max show. Why do we need another show based on Jim Gordon so soon after Gotham and another Supergirl show so soon after the CW show? It seems like they have run out of ideas. Yeah, somebody wrote in the other day and said the same thing. And I'll be honest with you. I don't agree with you at all. I disagree. These are going to be completely different iterations of those characters. Completely different iterations of those characters. Uh, with very different DNA and a very different feel to them. Like you said, this one is going to be connected to like the stuff that's going on cinematically. The Supergirl one they're doing on HBO Max is directly connected to the character in the upcoming Flash movie. These are totally different iterations. They're going to be handled totally different ways. So, you know, I honestly... I mean, and am I super excited about another Supergirl show? No, but at the same time, I don't at all equate it with what we saw in CW. It's a totally different thing with a very different rendition of the character, totally different people running it. It's a totally different version of it. It's a completely different show. So, and if they think they've got something good there to do, then by all means, you know, it's like, it's like saying this, well, wait a minute. Why are they doing an Avengers movie? They just did an Avengers animated thing four years ago. Well, because it's completely different. It's completely different. So I have no problem with it. I'm not going to say I'm particularly excited about the upcoming Supergirl show, but I see no problem at all with them taking a shot of it if it's a totally different uh, rendition of what the character is. And I'm totally good with it. All right, next up. Uh, Milo writes, I was on Netflix looking for a new show and saw a Polish show called Sex. I've heard of this, I believe called Sexify, which follows three female college students who try to develop an app to help women orgasm. I thought to myself, what the hell, and then proceeded to watch it immediately. I'm shocked to say that it was really good. There was a lot more to the story than I thought there would be, uh, and it had interesting characters. Also has some of the coolest music I've heard on a show, which really gave it a unique vibe I recommend. Yeah, I've heard of this. I've never watched it. I never felt it all remotely inclined to to watch it but hey man if you're saying it's good maybe i'll have to check it out at some point all right man thanks for sharing your thoughts thanks for dropping that recommendation milo all right ryan loner writes i finally watched dirty rotten scoundrels dude one of the greatest comedies of all time rupert um and the best compliment I can give it is that I figured out the big twist immediately, but it still thoroughly enjoyed the whole thing. Great work by Frank Oz. I'm so glad Anne didn't kill him. All right, so there's a little bit of a story there. But so Frank Oz, of course, of Muppet fame, and he does did, of course, the voice of Yoda in the original movies. Now, Frank Oz directed the Michael Caine, Steve Martin remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. And yes, that version in and of itself was a remake, but... It is simply one of the funniest movies I think ever made. That Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is absolutely one of the greatest movies I have, greatest comedies I've ever seen. I love that movie so much. It's so great. Michael, and by the way, uh, Emperor Palpatine himself, Ian McDiarmid, who you don't see in a lot of other stuff, but Ian McDiarmid, Emperor Palpatine himself, is also in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. He plays uh, Michael Caine's assistant slash butler in the movie. And it's fantastic. Um, damn, I love that movie. Anyway, so Frank Oz directs it, right? And the reason Ryan Loner said, I'm glad Anne didn't kill him, was because Anne and I were at one of the Star Wars premieres. I think it might have been The Last Jedi. We, might, I think it might have been The Last Jedi. No, no, it was The Force Awakens. We were at The Force Awakens premiere. 
And we got dropped off at the VIP limo drop off, right? So we get out of the car and we're standing there with like Kathleen Kennedy and we're standing there like, like Nathan Fillion was right there. And we're standing there with uh, Spike Lee, uh, Spike Lee, um, like bumped into Ann accidentally and he, and he literally turned to sorry, baby. I mean, it was like one of the coolest things ever. Spike Lee saying, sorry, baby to, to Ann anyway. And so Frank, Frank Oz was there. And I think Frank Oz had just had an accident because he had had a big, he had a cast and a boot on and he was using crutches and Ann wasn't watching where she was going. And she bumped right into Frank Oz. And thankfully Frank was able to keep his balance and didn't fall over. And she's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. He goes, Oh no worries. It's, it's, it's crowded here. Don't worry about it at all. He was very, very nice. He was super gracious. And Ann was like, I almost killed Frank Oz. I'm like, you almost murdered Frank Oz. All I can see now is like in a what if universe that he wasn't able to catch his balance and he falls down, hits his head on a pole or something and dies. And like, you know, Filipino, short Filipino girl murders Frank Oz on red carpet. I, that would have been funny, but he survived. He survived. Guys, if you've not seen his movie, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Set some time aside this weekend and sit down and watch this brilliant Michael Caine, Steve Martin movie. It's brilliant. Make sure you watch it. It's absolutely hilarious. All right. Uh, next up, uh, we've got uh, Donda writes, ranking most anticipated comic book films of 2022. There's a lot of them coming, brother. Number nine, The Marvels. Number eight, Morbius. Number seven, Black. I would rank Morbius a little bit higher. Uh, number seven, Black Adam. I'm looking forward to that, too. Number six, Thor. Number five, The Flash. Number four, Aquaman. Number three, Black Panther 2. Number two, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. And number one, A, the next Spider-Verse movie. And number one, B, The Batman. Yeah, I cheated. So much good shit coming this year. I cannot wait. Dude, I, it is, think about that. Now, this October, this October is packed. We got some great movies coming in October. But in 2022, I'm looking forward. There's not a single one of these movies I'm not excited about. I'm excited about every single one of these movies. I'm excited about Marvels. I'm excited about Morbius. I'm excited about Black Adam. I'm excited about Thor, Love and Thunder. I'm excited about the new Flash movie. I'm excited about the new Aquaman. I'm excited about Black Panther 2. I'm excited about Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. I'm ex super excited about the next Spider-Verse movie and obviously super excited about Matt Reeves' upcoming Batman film. It just, it, there's so much to get excited about, which feels so good coming off the last year and a half or more. Ah, it's so good being a film fan right now, Donda. So good being a film fan right now. Thanks for sharing your list, dude. Next up, an anonymous viewer tips in $400. $400. And this anonymous uh, tipper writes, hey, John. Uh, give this to the charity of your choice. I suspect you might be the same person that wrote in to get me to do the U2 cover song. Uh, give this to the charity of your choice. I know you once, there it is. I know you once played a U2 song for us uh, in the name of charity. I want to know if you'd be willing to release the video of you breakdancing. I'm sorry, Anonymous. You're going to have to throw a couple more zeros on that. <laughs> I'm just going to be straight with you. For me to release the old Pisces breakdancing videos, you're going to have to slap on a few more zeros. But, I want to know if you'd be willing to release that video of you breakdancing. Just kidding. Thanks for being awesome, dude. Thank you so much. Uh, that That is great. Now, you guys know 
And then we'll often do some charity stuff around here. We'll do some fundraising, whatever. Uh, we often will, the two main ones that we often work with when we do our fundraising and charity stuff is uh, number one is Feeding America. We've uh, we've done a, a big a couple of big ones with them, but also we'll sometimes do some smaller ones for um, local Los Angeles women and family shelters for uh, women and children who are escaping abusive situations, uh, abusive domestic situations. So uh, thank you for sending that in anonymous. Uh, we will add that to our next um, uh, to our next check that we sent out there. So uh, again, thank you so much, dude. That's really, really generous. Good on you. All right. We move on here. That's great. That's so great. Uh, good on you, man. All right. Next up, Tony Rodriguez. And listen, uh, by the way, let me throw this out there too, guys. Um, while it is super awesome what Anonymous just did, don't forget, if you want to support some really good causes, whether it's something like Feeding America or whether it's something like, like and believe me, these women and children shelters, dudes, they, they need everything that you can give them. They need everything that you can give them. But um, remember, if you want to really support those, you don't have to send it through me. I mean, it's, it's great that Anonymous just did. That's awesome. But you don't have to send it through me. Get involved. Get a couple of buddies together. You know, Ann and I do the, we do adopt a family every Christmas. Christmas is coming up, guys. It's almost October. Um, you know, Ann and I will promote um, uh, adopt a family every year. It's something you guys should do too. Get a couple of your buddies together, pool as much money together as you can, say like two, three, 400 bucks if you can, maybe get five of you, 10 of you together to do that. Contact your local municipality, ask them about the local adopt a family program. And then basically what adopt a family is, if you guys don't mind me talking about this for a second, what adopt a family is, is then the, the city will match you with a local family in need. And basically what you guys are going to do is you're going to give that family a Christmas, right? Ann and I do this every year. And it is one of the most awesome, awesome experiences you can have. Like when, when you know you can help out a family that really needs it. And basically what you do, that family, the city will connect you with that family. Sometimes it's a single mom with kids. Sometimes it's a whole family, whatever. And then you find out some of their specific needs and what they have. And then you guys pool a bunch of money together and you buy gifts for them. You know, sometimes Ann and I will get like the specific toys for the kids, but then we also will get something for the parents to help them out. Maybe we'll, you know, try to put together a couple hundred dollars on a grocery gift card as well on top of everything else or whatever. Just something that really helps them out. Because you guys might not think, uh, what are what are me and my friends getting 300 bucks together? What good is that going to do? To people who are really in a bad spot, it can mean the world to them. It can mean the world to them. So I really want to encourage you guys, uh, get some friends together, start pulling some money, contact your local municipality, or it doesn't have to be adopt a family. Do something like some, some local women's shelter or children's shelter, or it's a Feed America thing or a local food bank. Do something this year as film fans to, to get together, pull some money together, and do something good to make somebody else's life better. Um, do that this year. And Anonymous, thank you for doing that through me. But guys, you don't have to do it through me either. Just go do it. It's it's great. It's fun. And you're doing some good in the world. So just want to go there. Sorry, I know you guys are not here to talk, hear me talk about social issues. But go do some good in the world, guys. Go do some good in the world. Okay, next up. 
Uh, and again, thank you to Anonymous for that very, very much. All right, Tony Rodriguez writes, Hey, John, have you been to the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures yet? Uh, it's in California. It's uh, it's right here in LA. And I believe it's just open. Will you do a video if you go? Here, funny true story. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to not name names, but one of my best friends is actually dating the curator of the new Hollywood Museum. And... Uh, and she's been over here. We've hung out. We've we've hung out with her. I'm actually thinking about taking a trip to New York with her, actually. But that's that's another thing for another time. But she's a, a, a friend of ours. Is actually the curator of that museum. And I have not been yet, but I am going to go. And yes, you're damn right. I will definitely do. Uh, I will definitely do a video when I go to the uh, Hollywood Museum. Absolutely for sure, I will. All right. Next up, uh, anonymous viewer writes. Hey, John. Going back the past fifty years. What do you think is the best year in filmmaking? Oh, you know what, dude? Honestly, I've been asked that before. I don't walk around with an encyclopedic list of what movies came out every year. So I, it's a good question. I've been asked this question before, but I, I can't answer that because I don't walk around. I'm not like Scott Mance, who is a movie dates expert. I am terrible at movie dates, but uh, filmmaking, I think it's 1999, Fight Club, Office Space, Eyes Wide Shut, The Matrix, American Beauty, The Blair Witch Project, Austin Powers 2, Dogma, The Mummy. Green Mile, Sixth Sense, Sleepy Hollow, Boondock Saints, The Ninth Gate. Uh, the list of great movies goes on and on. 2000 was really good year two. What do you think? I think that I think all those are great movies. Well, I don't think they're all great movies. I think most of them are great movies. Like Green Mile is a great movie. I don't know if I would. Uh, it depends on your interpretation. I don't know if I'd call Eyes Wide Shut a great movie. That's just me. Uh, but that's a definitely a great list of movies there, Anonymous. And again, I can't really give mine because. I, I don't I I could not tell you off the top of my head which movies came out in 1994. I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what because I'm just not a movie dates guy. I bet Rob could, but I am not a dates guy like at all. But it's a great question, dude. All right, next up, we got Suthius who writes. Uh, my favorite group of movie characters and everything that has to do with their lore is the y y uh, Yatuja, pronounced Yaut. Yautja, okay, the Yautja, which I believe the Predators, right? A.K.A. the Predators. I love everything about them, the way they look and move, their technology and usage, uh, and the way they hunt. I'm such a huge fan of them that I have about 50 of the NECA Predator figures. Cool. And even though some of their movies were better than others, I always enjoy seeing them on the screen. Yes, even when they've hunted xenomorphs in the Alien vs. Predator movie. Putting the quality of those movies aside, I love the concept, fight scenes were fun, and overall execution was poor. Looking forward to the next Predator film, what are your thoughts on the Yautjas, uh, and what are some of your favorite movie characters slash lore? Alright, well first of all, yeah, the Predators are awesome. I mean, the Predators are so good that there was actually several DC did several comic stories of predator versus Batman. Do you guys remember that? They're just inherently, listen, just the basic idea, by the way, taking a quick Zevia break, Zevia sponsor me. You insufferably cheap sons of bitches. Um, they don't sponsor my show at all. They totally should. I give them more marketing than anybody else in the world, which raises the question. Why should they, why should they sponsor me when they're getting all this free publicity for free? Yeah, I've thought about that, too. I've thought about that, too. Kind of shooting myself in the foot, aren't I? Uh, anyway, getting back to the Predators. Um, the basic concept is just dripping coolness. The idea of this alien hunter race 
that literally travels the galaxy going world to world to try to hunt the most challenging prey to test themselves. It's a fabulous concept introduced to perfection in the Arnold Schwarzenegger original with Jesse the Body Ventura, Ain't Got Time to Bleed. I mean, Jesse Ventura is so good in that movie. Um, So, there you go. That movie had two future governors. (laughs) That movie had two future governors in it. Anyway, the, the concept is so great, and there's so much you could do with that. It is really unfortunate that they've botched a lot of of what they've done. Like, I know there are some people that have a real guilty pleasure for Predator Two with Danny uh, with Danny Glover, but I, I mean, I, to me, that it's not great. Um, a lot of the AVP stuff, not so great. The one they did, my favorite Predator movie, other than the original was the one they did, and I keep forgetting the name of the actor who won the Oscar for the piano. Um, uh, Guys in the live chat, what's that actor's name again? He won the Oscar for the piano, and now I cannot remember his name. Uh, Adrian Brody, thank you. I always, Whenever I try to talk about Adrian Brody, I always forget his name. Anyway, Adrian Brody, thank you, Mark Newman, and uh, Jared's Toy Box, and uh, Jared's, or sorry, Spirit Man 28, and Red Comet, everybody's throwing in there. Thank you, guys. Um, that alien movie with Adrian Brody was actually pretty good too, where the notion was um, a bunch of these people wake up together and they don't know. I, I remember, right. They don't even know who each other are and they're being hunted again. And then later you find out they're not even on earth. Like they're on a game reserve, like predators went out and kidnapped a bunch of people and then dropped them on another planet. That's a hunting game reserve for the predators. It's actually a pretty good idea. It's actually a pretty good idea. And I did like that one. Then the one Shane Black did should have been awesome, but it was terrible. I I was really excited about that movie and it just turned out to be terrible. But yeah, I like the characters in general. I hope they do take more, uh, more kicks of the can with Predators. I just hope they start making better ones. That's all. I just hope they start making better ones, dude. All right, next up. Dangerous D writes, Hey, John, I was wondering what's your favorite teams that pay homage to the Justice League? Squadron Supreme and Marvel, Guardians of the Globe and Invincible, The Seven, The Boys, or The Authority in Wildstorm? What's your choice? I really do like Guardians of the Globe, but it's got to be The Seven. I mean, because they do it so directly. I mean, they do it with some Marvel characters, too. We got Soldier Boy coming in, who's clearly Captain America. But, um, I mean, you've got your Superman figure. You got your Batman figure, you got your Aquaman figure, you got your Wonder Woman figure, you got your Flash figure. I mean, it's, and they're so awesome. So to me, easily, easily, it's got to be the seven. All right, next up, uh, Alan writes, Hey, John, I hope you win lots of money in Vegas next weekend. For those of you who don't know, I'm going to go to Las Vegas next weekend for the opening of the World Series of Poker. I, of course, go and participate in the World Series of Poker every year, so me and a couple of friends are going out to Vegas next weekend to participate in the World Series of Poker. I'm very excited about that. Anyway, I hope you win lots of money in Vegas next weekend and maybe even find some uh, go-go dancers for the John Campy After Dark show. LOL, maybe even come back with a few hot toys. Well, I don't need to go to Vegas to go to hot to get hot toys. I mean, they've got in Los Angeles here, they've got um, Frankensons. Frankens- I did a video a couple of weeks ago about me and Ann going to Frankensons where I got my uh, Captain America infinity war hot toy 
they got some crazy good stuff there, guys. Like some crazy, crazy, crazy good stuff. All right. Uh, last question of the day, guys, comes to us from Anton Riley. And Anton Riley writes, Chris Pratt is voicing Mario. Yes, he is. What the hell kind of world do we live in, John? Why do talented voice actors keep getting overlooked for celebrities who barely give effort in these big budget animated movies? Oh, that's right. Cheap marketability. Moving on. I mean, but let's let's be real here, Anton. Let's be real. You would do the same thing if you were the producer of that movie. Don't pretend you wouldn't. You would. Because if putting in Chris Pratt and Jack Black and having the be able to being able to put their names on the posters. Now remember, uh, this is coming from a guy who I am totally all use professional voice actors. I am all about that. That being said, let's be real. You know you're going to make more money. And this is a business. The whole reason you're making this movie is to make money. You know you're going to make more money if Chris Pratt can go out and do press. If, you know, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy can go out and do press. If Jack Black is out there talking about Super Mario Brothers, it's just it's going to make more money. I mean, I get it. I don't like it. I don't like it, but I get it. And hey, listen, at least like they went out and got some like Chris Pratt, who has already shown he can do real well animated. Like I honestly, listen, I know he's not like the a, a big full time, fully dedicated voice performer. I know. But when I like look at the job he did in the Lego movie, he did a really good job. So at least they went out and got somebody who's already got a little bit of a background in doing this and has a little bit of track record of success. So I get it. I get it. And so, like I said, I'm with you. I would rather see fully trained, fully dedicated voice actors getting these roles, but I understand the business angle of it. And you would do the same thing. And I would probably do the same thing. Although what I would, what I would probably do honestly is instead of casting, like, let me bring this up again. Uh, let me see if I can bring this up again. Instead of going out and filling the entire cast with all these recognizable names, what I would personally probably do is get one or two big names and then fill out the rest of the cast with fully dedicated full-time voice performers. That's what I would probably, that to me, that's a good balance. That to me would be a good balance. Like, I get why you get Jack Black to do the voice of Poe and Kung Fu Panda. But then the entire rest of the cast, like Sifu didn't have to be Dustin Hoffman. I, I like Dustin Hoffman's voice in it very much. I do, but it didn't have to be Dustin Hoffman. You could have Jack Black and Kung Fu Panda, but then you could have filled out all the other roles with, with fully dedicated voice actors. I don't know. That's, that's just me. That's just how I would kind of balance it out myself, but uh, it is what it is. Anyway, guys, that'll do it. For today's installment of the John Campia Show, thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big thank you to Robert Meyer Burnett and Kimberly Ann Curran for being here. They, of course, will be back. Big thank you to all you guys who sent in the Super Chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about, but number two, you supported this channel as you did it and all of us involved here at the John Campia Show. Thank you guys so much 
for that support. Keep an eye open this weekend. We will be doing a companion video this weekend because we have more questions to get caught up on. So if you haven't seen your question get read yet, don't worry. We'll get caught up on it on the companion video this weekend. Also, I am going to do, Ann and I are going to do a vlog of us going to SoFi Stadium to watch the goat of all goats, Tom Brady and his Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Tampa Bay Gronkineers playing the Los Angeles Rams, another team I really like. And uh, we're going to share our experience of going into this brand new SoFi Stadium with you guys. So keep your guys open, eyes open for that as well. Anyway, guys, thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.